o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Men. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome in to the Patrick Johnson Show. It is a bittersweet day for the Patrick Johnson Show because our main man, Patrick Johnson, unfortunately, is under the weather. We all know he's been going through a little bit of sickness. He's been out here and there. Wish him best of luck. Normally what happens when our main man is out, Ben Byron will come in and we'll host a show for him. Well, guess what? Things happen. Ben B-Baby Byron is also sick. Unrelated Advil oh God. and Dayquil sales are up 7,000% in the Greenville area. In no relation, of course. In no relation, of course. And so we're digging deep in the roster. Because, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're, di- we're digging deep in the roster. It's time. Next man up. I'm your host. I'm your host. Ladies and gentlemen, first time ever. I'm your host. They call me Cookie. I'm plugging my whole name today. I'm your host, Chris freaking Cook. And I'm here with my co-host... Philip, the ref, Pilkington, my co-host. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, and I love your, uh, was that a little play on Seth Rollins there with your middle name being Chris freaking? Freaking cook. Ah! I mean, we should have played the Seth Rollins intro. Oh! <laughs> and we got our special guest on production assistance, and he's going to be talking with us the whole time. ECU football legend. If you say he's not a legend, I'm going to sock you right in the face. Okay? ECU football legend, tight end Joseph Sampson. How you doing today? Woo! I'm ready to go, baby. You ready, know to he's go. ready to go. Ready to get it going. You know he's ready to Thank go. Thank you for having me on and not firing me. After all right, I'm going to calm down a little bit, I promise. How are we all doing today, like on a real note? I'm great. You doing great? I'm ready to go. I'm good. I'm good. Now I'm a little worried about catching a cold now that uh, sales on Dayquil's up so much. But other than that, I'm good. Hey, maybe I don't make up the metrics. I maybe Patrick and Ben need to take some. I, I think that's they, where it all went. Sick. I think that's all. Ben told me he couldn't even get out of bed uh, on a serious note. We wish them a quick recovery. Always. Hope, hoping they'll be back. We don't know if they'll even be back tomorrow, but we're going to find out. And hey, if they're not, we'll have a, we'll have some more fun again tomorrow. How about it? <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. Let's do it. All right, so today we are going to start off the show, everyone's favorite segment. Philip, cue it up. Here is today's uh, Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Okay, starting out with our Pirate Report, ECU men's basketball coming off a great win. Me and Joe were both at the game Oh yeah, over SMU. The crowd was hyped. Boots on ground. Before we get into these uh, cuts, last night, obviously, Mike Schwartz was on the ECU Coaches Show every Monday here on 94.3 The Game. We'll go through some of those cuts. Joe, uh, you can attest to this. The crowd was hyped the whole time. The energy was electric. I've never seen Minji so loud. I and with mean, such, just such a short crowd, too, just small, and it was still impactful and loud like that. I, I love it. See, I, I mentioned yesterday uh, I was kind of worried when it, because it was like 10 minutes before the game. Yeah. I was like, okay, like this, this place is going to start filling up here in a minute. And lo and behold, well, it, it filled up there it in got a minute. Full and it got and full. Quick. Even the top levels were uh, filled out great. Uh, so, cut number one here, Philip. Mike Schwartz recaps the win over SMU. 
Yeah, appreciate it, Jeff. It is definitely great to be here at Logan's tonight with everybody coming off a win, obviously. And uh, it was it was a good win Saturday. Uh, you know, coming off of a midweek loss to South Florida, where I thought we really played well to start that game, and uh, you know, actually played well in the first half. Just had a spell midway through the game, and then finished the game very strong. But we couldn't pull it out on the road there in Tampa. But to come back and prepare and be ready to go on on Saturday versus uh, SMU was a very you know, I was very proud of our guys because SMU is a very good team. Well-coached team. You know how much respect I have for Rob Lanier and his program and his coaching staff. They have a talented team. They have some experienced players that can really score the basketball. And, uh, you know, just proud of our guys. Yeah, it was a great win. Uh, let's, let, let's recap the win ourselves, okay? SMU, great team. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There were some points in the game where I thought maybe we were going down. We were even saying that. But, hey, they rallied. Hey, I, I believe in my Pirates now. Mike multiple, Schwartz, baby. Multiple Pirates finishing with double figures. Um, I believe it was Ezra Asar's first double-double double double in his career. Exactly. Yeah. Brandon Johnson with 20, 25 or 27. I think 27. 27. When Asar didn't only get his first double-double, he had his career high in points with 19 and rebounds with 13. It was also mm-hmm. his first game where he'd ever broke double-digit rebounds, so big game for him because he had been in a little slump over the last two, three weeks, so it was a really big game for him. Yeah, one, one thing I love about Schwartz in the press conferences, he holds nothing back. He was saying Asar's been on a little bit of, you know, like you were saying, like a low point, but he really showed out. Mm-hmm. Love, love to see it. Speaking of Brandon Johnson uh, and Ezra Asar, Schwartz uh, praised both of them in another cut here. Let's hear what he had to say about their performances from the other night. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'll say this. When I went back and watched the film, that I didn't even realize how great Brandon was to start that game. You know, you, you, I know Brandon's numbers at the end. Brandon, Brandon was good all night long. But I, the, what, the start he got off to Terrific. with the back-to-back threes yeah. and the, the post move in there, I mean, he was really good to start that game. I think about someone like Ezra. Ezra had prepared so hard for that game leading in, where his preparation was, where his mind was. And it wasn't about him. His preparation was about winning. You could feel it in practice. He and I spoke about it a lot. He was very vocal in practice about just the competing to win. And I thought that that spread and really rubbed off on the other guys. And when you look at how Ezra started that game defensively, the first time down the court after we scored, he's up right on the baseline ready to – and that was a – you know, that really showed us a lot. And his intensity – was consistent the whole game. I mean, he really had that, and I think that led to his big game. And RJ's just, he's been a rock all year. A big problem uh, that the Pirates have been facing is the absence of Javon Small. Mm-hmm. I hate to see it. I hate to see a guy go out like that. Someone that has had to step up in his place in his absence. Uh, before we get into this, how long is he out, actually? Do, do we have a real figure? Or We're is, not sure. They've. Kind of made it seem like they don't think it's going to be the whole year, but you know how it is with collegiate sports and injuries. They don't, they don't have to disclose. Yeah. You just like have to say indefinitely, and then he comes back. When right. He comes back. Okay. Yeah. So we don't know if he's out the whole season or anything like that. But in his absence, someone that has really had to step up, and I would say has done a good job stepping up at least so far, is Jaden Walker. Shout out to him. He played 39 minutes. Yeah. In that SMU game, he was on the court almost the whole time. Uh, Schwartz also had a lot of good things to say about his performance right here in cut number three. Yeah, he had a real floor game, and we've talked about Javon having these kind of games before when Javon just controlled the whole tempo of the game. But what Jaden did on Saturday was really important to us. I mean, it was critical. We don't win the game without him being able to do that and to have eight assists, two turnovers. Uh, you know, he just really got us into our offense, what we wanted to do, not allowing 
SMU to get out and run off turnovers. And that's going to be critical as we head into Tulane. And it's really been one of our Achilles heel in conference play is turnovers that not only can add up and take field goal attempts away from us, but turnovers that lead direct to other baskets. And you think about the Memphis game in the second half. You think about at Temple in the second half and even South Florida. Those three games, we turnovers that led direct to baskets. So Jaden did a great job controlling Temple, getting us in our offense, and most importantly, taking care of the basketball. Because if we can go get a shot every time down, or at least almost every time down, not only do we get a chance to score, obviously, but we can go rebound the ball, and we've been a pretty strong offensive rebounding team. And here's the thing that not everybody thinks about. When you can get a shot off, Jeff, you can set your transition defense. And setting transition defense, even on a missed shot, gives you a better chance to be successful on the other end of the floor. Uh, a big thing that Schwartz has really hit on in his uh, post-game pressers and some of the uh, after-practice pressers that me and Philip and Ben uh, attend is the importance of they know in these conference games they're going to get punched. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're going to get punched right in the face. It's what happens in college basketball in the conference. One thing that he has really stressed is when you get punched, you've got to be able to respond. And he said that in some of these past games they haven't done – a great job of responding when they get punched. And when they do, it's usually too little too late. Uh, he talked about the importance of responding and how well the Pirates did at responding uh, at SMU. Yeah, it was huge. And you know that's going to happen. And it doesn't matter if it's in the first half, if it's to start the game, if it's to begin the second half. Whenever that time frame is going to be, very rarely in a conference game or any highly competitive game, is a team not going to punch back and or are we not going to punch back when we get hit. But in the end, you and I talked about this, and we're talking with our team as we try to understand this philosophy of being prepared as you lead into the game, being ready to start the game, ready to get off to a good start, which we've been doing pretty consistently. And then there is the responding, you know, that last part. Do you respond or do you react when you get, you know, when you get hit? And I think we've shown a few times this year that we're capable of responding like we did in the second half when SMU did take the lead. And then we've also shown times where we've reacted. And when you react, you make maybe more emotional choices out on the court. You play a little bit more emotional. And sometimes that could lead the other way. But I thought in that game and a couple others, we've really responded. That'll do it for those cuts from last night's ECU Coaches Show. Reminder, every Monday right after the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, you can hear the Coaches Show with uh, Jeff Charles and Mike Schwartz. Another big game coming up tomorrow, and this will actually be live right here on 94.3 The Game. ECU, Yes, yes, sir. ECU women's basketball will be taking on Temple. We'll have a uh, special, a little bit of a shorter edition of the PJ Show, which will lead you right into our network coverage of ECU women's basketball at 545. But what do we think about this game coming up tomorrow? I like it. Pirates trying to uh, sweep the series against mm-hmm. Temple this season. Back on Wednesday, January 11th, knocked them off 72-51. to Danae McNeil had a heck of a game that day. Oh, she's killing it this yeah, year. Yeah, she is. She's averaging, she's I did the math yesterday, honestly. it's like 19.9 points per game in league play. Oh, my God. Really stepped it up since conference play started. The Pirates coming to this one 15-8 and overall, 6-4 and in league play. The Temple Owls, they're 500 in league play at 5-5 five and 10-12 five and and overall. Uh, I think Menjis is going to have a good turnout on Wednesday afternoon. I do too. And then, hey, another shout out. I, I think we got the best freshman in uh, the AAC for women's basketball. Shout out to Amaya Joyner. Oh, say that right now. Oh, yeah. 
best freshman in the conference. Joe, I believe you. Uh, th- that'll pretty much do it for our basketball news. Joe, you got some other ECU news. What do you got? I do. So ECU baseball has just been announced to have two nationally televised games on ESPNU. That is on April 4th and April 25th. Both of them are against NC State. Then Royal Burris, shout out to my boy Royal Burris. He oh, you know him personally? Oh, I know him personally. Oh, okay. We go back to co-ad together. See, we got a year. real pirate on here. American Men's Track Athlete of the Week. Shout out to Royal Burris. His squad is more than mine. I'll give him that fact. Then Scotty Moe, former ECU head coach, has been named the Lions running back coach and assistant head coach, uh, effective today. Well, how, how are we feeling about that? He's a great running backs coach. He did great things with all those running backs in Indianapolis with Frank Reich. Obviously made Jonathan Taylor look like an MVP candidate. He's really kind of transitioned better to the pro game, just with the way he handles guys and, and the kind of personality he's always brought around the locker room. And then Antoine Jackson asks for a release from his letter of intent. The former four-star DB that signed with Miami, his top two was Miami and East Carolina. Lord only knows where that's going to lead, so we'll see how that plays out. And then Holt Nailers. Got to give a shout-out to my boy, the franchise. Our boy. Our boy. To Hollywood. Holton Nailers getting the recognition he deserves. Coming off three straight MVPs, hearing from my Jets and your Green Bay Packers. It's only a matter of time until he hears from the Panthers. Look, if he was to go to the Green Bay Packers, I already, I already love my Packers so much. Okay, If they were to somehow get Holt Nailers, and I, hey, I believe he would have a shot at playing in some games. Oh, yeah. Just personally. He, he's a baller. Uh, my love for the Packers would go from 99 to 105 real quick. He's he's the answer to the Jets quarterback situation right now. I'll order I, I, three I jerseys, white, green, and black, all with Ailers on the back. I'm ready. My lines are open. Joe Douglas, make it happen. The Jets are going to pick up our scraps with Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to do horrible with Rodgers. He's washed. If, if we get 12 in exchange for you guys getting the real 12, I'll take it. <sighs> yeah, okay. No, but see, I, I want I want Aylers in Green Bay. I'm just going on the record. That's what he's saying, man. Saying he's right he's being a true I'll player. Take 12. He'll take you get the he'll real take 12, and then I'll just root for Holton Aylers in Green either way. You know what? Okay. Uh, I'll take that. All right, so what we're going to do right now is uh, Philip is going to hit us with a sports flash update. And then when we come back, we're going to kind of expand on some of these headlines in the update, add some more to it in our News of the Day segment. But before we get into that, here's Philip with your News Flash Update. Philip Pilkings here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update. Tonight could go down as a big night in the history of the NBA as LeBron James and the Lakers will host the Oklahoma City Thunder. James is only 36 points shy of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time record of 38,387 points. To the NFL last week, the San Francisco 49ers lost their defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, as he took the Texans' head coaching job. However, they filled that spot today with former Panthers interim head coach Steve Wilkes, who has formerly been a defensive coordinator in the league in 2019 with the Cleveland Browns. Moving over to college hoops, it was a tough night for the Blue Devils last night. After an emotional win over Carolina on Saturday, they coughed it up 21 times last night, leading to 23 Miami Hurricanes points off turnovers en route to an 81-59 victory for the Hurricanes over Duke. Then at 9 o'clock, number 9 Kansas took care of business at home at Allen Fieldhouse over over number five, Texas, who came in on a four-game conference win streak. It was also the fourth consecutive game in which the Longhorns had to play against a ranked opponent. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. More with Chris Cook on the other side of this timeout. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. 
I got two gentlemen here with me right now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Patrick Johnson Show. We mentioned it earlier, the P-Man is unfortunately out sick, and Ben B-Baby Byram is also out sick. So, so tell him your name, Chris. What's your what's your full name? Chris freaking Cook, baby. Is your host today, along with my co-host, Philip the Ref Pilkington, Joey Football, ECU Football legend. Again, he's a legend. I'm standing by it. You're a legend, my man. All right, two things here before we get into our news of the day. We currently have a Twitter poll up right now. We'll touch on this at the end of this segment. Was the new Pro Bowl structure better or worse than the old Pro Bowl? That is up right now. We're going to wait until a little bit later in the segment to give our opinions on it. Yeah, uh, we're going to do it at the end. Right, but that is uh, that is up right now. But I will. But uh, wait, let, let me go ahead and read this. Uh, ben Byram, we, we've been speaking of him, always spreading some kind of hate, man. Uh, he commented on this poll and said, uh, the Pro Bowl is just garbage. When they have <laughs> spread it across four networks, including Disney XD, and still and still are achieving record low ratings, it's time to do away with it. Ben, stop spreading hate, my man. Okay, anyway. And also, in our next segment after this break, we have uh, Brett Friedlander on. We're going to have a good little interview with him, talk some UNC Duke basketball and the rest of the ACC. But before we do all that, let's get in our news of the day. Philip, hit me with our first headline. First headline is LeBron James and the Lakers host the Thunder tonight. They or LeBron, sorry, is 36 points shy of Kareem's record for all-time points. Thoughts on that tonight, guys, as well as uh, just kind of an overall, I guess, LeBron conversation. Yeah, you know, I saw something crazy on uh, Instagram earlier, and I think it said the highest price ticket for that game was being sold on, like, the black market or something for, like, $70,000. Or whatever people sell the tickets on, The black market. Man. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's on the black, the black market. I think it's called StubHub, my guy. Well, what, You're buying whatever, that McKinney? man. Uh, 68 to 70,000. I think that itself just speaks to, like, the monumental... Of this, I mean, vocabulary word, monumentalness. Monumentalness. Yeah. Okay. So the monumentalness is that LeBron is the greatest to ever live. I'll get on this soapbox. I'll die on this soapbox. But I'm telling you, it's not going to happen tonight. He's going to break it Thursday. He's going to score 34 tonight. They're going to pull him out of the game. Little high five moment, like you'd pull a pitcher out in his retirement. Like high fives all the way to the dugout. Show it on the scoreboard. He's two away. And then that first possession, Giannis is going to try and guard him. Giannis is going to step up to him. He's going to look at Kareem in the front row, courtside, hit a sky hook, and do whatever he wants to. Okay, so imagine, let's say that happens. Because that's to tie it. And then to okay. break it, he's going to hit a three-pointer the same way he always does with that little baby move he does where he spins the ball, looks at it, stares at the defender, and then cashes it. That's what's going to happen. Okay, let's say that happens. Imagine being the guy or girl that pays the $68,000 uh, for the ticket. And you're what we call in the business a moron. Well, I mean, you got to think last year. Now, it was being auctioned off for charity. This but somebody this did, someone charity. did last year pay $1 million for four tickets to Coach K's last game in This Cameron. is true. That's ridiculous. This is true. That's four times the amount we're talking right now. And uh, first off, LeBron is not the GOAT. We'll I'm, the I'm goat doesn't. We'll the do GOAT this. does not quit on his team in the middle of the season like My he laughs when you're, eliminated, when, you're, when you're eliminated from playoff contention. He doesn't cry like a little baby all the time. My GOAT didn't get kicked out of the NBA for gambling. Okay, there you go. Come on. So you're on the Jordan train. Yeah, I'm on the Jordan train. As much as I hate the tar holes, I'm on the Jordan train. But anyways, no, I, does he break it tonight? I don't know. It's, it's gonna be interesting. I would think he would want to break it at home. I mean, obviously, I don't think they're gonna pull him out so he doesn't break it at home. 
I mean, because they're playing. You said they're at Milwaukee for the next game, yeah. right? Yeah. On Thursday. Oh, no, they would much rather him break it at home, I feel Break like. it? In the, I don't even know what the heck the place is called now. It's not even the Staples Center it's, anymore. It's, it's is it still Crypto or no? Crypto yeah. went bankrupt. I don't know. Well, one of them did. Something. So, hey, something like that. Formerly known as Staples Center. Yeah. But now, still Staples Center to me. He, he even said, it was either yesterday or today, he went public and said that he thinks he is the best uh, of all time. I, 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 I can't get down with it. I, I can't get behind that. I'll make a believer of you one day, Cookie. Well, you don't have much time left in the league, it sounds like, so I don't know. We'll see when it's all said and done. He's yeah. focused on Bronny more now than he is himself. This is a conversation that will last for eons. Okay. Well, hey, I've seen some highlights of Bronny. He looks like he's going to be a problem in a good way, I mean. Oh, yeah. Bryce is going to be the best one. His his middle kid. Oh, I didn't he's, know he's he already like six kid. foot eight. He's in like sixth or seventh grade, I think it is. He might be eighth. Jesus, six yeah. eight in the. He's huge. He's, Jesus, he's like LeBron's height. Philip, hit us with our next headline. Next now that he- we know that Jordan's the goat, hit us with our next headline. All righty then. With our next headline, we have 49ers fill their defensive coordinator vacancy with hiring a former Panthers interim coach Steve Wilkes. Okay. Uh, I'm a Packers fan. He's a Jets fan. Philip, we know, is a Panthers fan. As a Panthers fan, I want to hear like what what you think about this. You know, good for Steve. Um, happy to see him land somewhere. Um, you know, we could obviously sit here and debate the whole should we have hired him, should we have hired Reich, so the cows come home. But uh, you know, I, I wanted to see him have success somewhere else. I think he's you know done a good job in this league. Do I think he's head coach? Not really. But uh, I think this is a good team to go be a part of the whole Shanahan. Um, tree there and DCs who have been under Shanahan have gotten head coaching opportunities pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. We saw it with Sala and now with D'Amico Ryans. So I think uh, if he wants to become a head coach again, the one of the best sexiest jobs to get to become a head coach again okay. is being the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. It, hey, it seems like that. But see, I was kind of thinking that as a Panthers fan, you'd say that he deserved a shot right now as a head coach somewhere. Here's the only reason I don't – and this is kind of going – it's kind of getting away, I guess, from him. But, you know, there are two teams in the Super Bowl, both of them head coaches, offensive background. Yep. Four teams in the conference championship game, all four offensive background head coaches. Out of the eight teams in the divisional round, seven of them had offensive-minded background head coaches. I think the league has shifted. I'm not really for defensive-minded head coaches at this point in the league. It was a great thing back in the early 2000s, but I think the days of the 2000 Ravens, the 02 Bucks, those teams are not winning Super Bowls anymore. you got to have a quarterback, you got to have an offensive mind, and you got to be able to shred defenses. Uh, you know what? That's a good point. I can. I do think he should have gotten the head coaching job somewhere. Somewhere. There's somewhere that needed a head coach. What? Was he going to go to Arizona? I was thinking Indianapolis. <laughs> that's a that's a loaded job. That's a right weird. Now. Yeah. You want to? Yeah. I would. I would want to bring in somebody a little more experience and get into that crap shoot. No, I mean, need he needs to be somewhere. If he's going to get a head coaching job, he needs to be somewhere they're going to kind of rebuild from the ground up, and they have yeah. the ability to, like Houston, if anywhere. But that obviously got taken. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. He, gotcha. He's going to be around a while. Joe, what, what what are your thoughts on that? You know, we talked about it earlier when he was in the running for it. Wilkes did an amazing job with the pieces that were left in the organization. But personally, I don't know if he can take a broken program or a broken franchise in this case and rebuild it right now without certain tools. Most of the time, these guys that are defensive, they have that offensive play caller. Brandon Staley just hired Kellen Moore to be his offensive coordinator now for the Chargers. The Jets went and got Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> Sean McDermott, or a.k.a. Bill Burr, went and got the off, or the Joe Brady 
to be his offensive coordinator and QB coach, and then Ken Dorsey doing the same thing in that co-role because Brian Dable left. These defensive guys have to have that offensive mind that's going to shift them into the new age. Okay, now I got you. Um, you mentioned Nathaniel Hackett to the Jets. Uh, I know things didn't work out in Denver. I know that was that, that was bad. That's a that loaded a loaded gun. But what do you are you are you as a Jets fan liking that? Because I'm not gonna lie, I loved him as the Packers offensive coordinator. Oh, with, without question, the, the run game that we've had, and for him to be able to create that boot action and those play action deep verts and all these things, especially with Aaron Rodgers now being hypothetically on the market, gives you that added incentive. But I think just a veteran mind, LeFleur was too young, and you saw it. Now he's going to McVay, and he's going to go be the OC for McVay, and he's going to build that resume back up, and he's going to wind up somewhere on his feet. But Hackett's a veteran guy. He coached with Salah when they were with the Jaguars, and Blake Bortles took him to the AFC Championship. And if you can make AFC Championship Blake Bortles look like an MVP caliber quarterback, I believe you can make Zach Wilson look like an above-average one. Yeah, Blake Bortles, what a guy. I don't want to speak any bad on him, but like, Blake of the year. Yeah. Okay. Let, let, let's just move on. I don't want to say any bad about him. He, he was a Packer <laughs> for a little bit. Uh, Philip, what's our next headline? Well, we are kind of running out of time in this segment, so we're going to go over to our Pro Bowl okay, uh, yeah, poll let, next, and we're going to all give our thoughts on the uh, new Pro Bowl and whether or not we watched any of it. Okay. So before we give our personal opinion on it, uh, here our Twitter poll uh, was the new Pro Bowl structure better or worse? Then the old Pro Bowl, we had 25 total votes and a hateful comment by uh, Ben V-Baby Baby Byram. 68, a whopping 68% of our listeners and our followers have said that it is worse. I'm pers- I'm going to go ahead and throw my opinion out first, okay? Uh, I think it was much better than the old game. Very obvious. No one in the league that made the Pro Bowl gave a flying crap about playing in that Pro Bowl game. Barely any defense, notorious for it. Memes all over all platforms. No <laughs> defense. You know, everybody's having a crazy game. I I think that it was time for them to make the transition. If it was ever going to happen, it was getting to that point where it's time for them to move into, like, more of, like, the games instead of an actual, like, physical football game. What do you all think? Philip? let's go with you. All right. Um, so I voted that the new structure is better. Now, I do think as a structure, the old one was better when guys cared. I used to enjoy watching as a kid, but because guys quit caring, like you said, you might as well go do something that they're at least going to try and if you're going to have it at all. Yeah, and see, I, I legitimately enjoyed watching it. Yeah. Like the flag football game, oh, yeah. that was that one crazy play uh, where Devontae Ad- – you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, where Devontae Adams showed it back. And he gets depleted. Yeah, yeah, Jalen Ramsey just comes in. Is that legal? No. No, what a guy, Jalen Ramsey. Joe, what, what's your opinion? I, I uh, love the new format. I think it's a little, too little too late, unfortunately. We saw the Pro Bowl last year. There was an embarrassment just with two-hand touch and Mac Jones hitting the gritty in the end zone after a 70-yard run where he got tagged at the 25. And and to each their own, obviously, people are going to have their opinions, and they're going to say that the Pete Davidson pandering with the 69 on the score sheet was too much to try and bring the viewers back in. But there were fun games. They were fun. It was supposed to be a fun event. The long drive contest showed us these guys outside of the locker room, outside of football. And then you saw Tyree Kill lining up at safety, blitzing from 15 yards away to try and tackle Derek Carr with a flag and him screaming about contact. I, I loved it. I thought it was good to grow the game, but I wouldn't lean on it necessarily to carry football. Yeah, I got you. But an underrated part of this is that the flag football game was only like one part of it. I was watching yeah. some of the like mini games. The balloon toss, the water balloon toss, I'm not going to lie, that lost me. Kick it. Yeah. That I, lost me. I get what they were trying to do. But the kick-tack-toe, was, was that there this year? I yeah, with the, okay, with the long, yeah. Well, the long snappers won it. See, I think that's genius. 
the kick tac toe is that what it's called yeah I, what, what do you think i'll be honest with you i didn't watch a lick of it <laughs> and so here's the See, i'm not on the not caring turn i'm not totally opposed to watching it but and i understand because of where all this stuff was they couldn't do it all at one time i think they should have aired it all as one because like yeah. i didn't want to tune in friday night to watch this and then saturday to watch that and all that and like the nhl skills challenge is on friday night. the nhl has for years already proven their skills challenge is really exciting without question yeah so it's like am i going to watch the pro bowl stuff that i don't even know is going to be good or the nhl which i look forward to every year that okay then saturday comes around i got the nhl all-star game the ecu game going on at the same time and the Carolina and Duke basketball, like, yeah, I'm not yeah gonna just play all like, like yeah. So my thing was like Sunday during the day, there was nothing else on, right? Like even if you're a NASCAR fan, I watched NASCAR race didn't start till mm-hmm. later. Show this all in one in unison and announce it like it's all actually happening at the same time, even though we all know it's not. Yeah, but yeah, I don't, that was kind of my problem with it. But I did think the uh, the whole catch thing with them, you know. Zip lining down Fremont Street was cool. If you ever been to Fremont Street, you know, it's kind of it's cool to vibe. To try and, and like get into the dunk contest market, I guess is what they were trying to do. But then yeah. Stefan Diggs, I mean, we we got <laughs> Stefan Diggs hiding behind cheerleaders on on his squat position, if you wouldn't, and trying to jump through smoke blindfolded. You, you lost me as far as a football fan. I get the entertainment aspect. I get it's Vegas. I get people aren't necessarily going to get to see that outside of it, but. Now with the media being the way it is and you can watch the Sunday ticket and you get all these different aspects of the game, people are seeing all these stars once a week, twice a week, three times a week. I, I just I think they pandered too much to try and get content out of it. You know what? That's fair. I can see that. Did uh, I don't know if you touched on it, but the thing where the linemen had to like break through the wall. That was sick. That, see, I love that. I love that kind of the relay stuff. Like that was always my favorite part with the Pro Bowl like skills challenges when they were still playing the game. Uh-huh. It's like those those types of things where you don't necessarily think of it as football type strength, but you have guys busting through windows, you got guys jumping over fences and crawling underneath tables. That's fun stuff. Like it's a it's a field day for a bunch of grown men and professional athletes. I think they did the best with what they could do considering uh not that many people as we can see care about the Pro Bowl. All right, I hear the music. That means it's time to take a timeout. When we come back, we got Brett Friedlander. We're talking some ACC basketball, UNC, Duke, everyone else, right here on the other side of this quick timeout. Dan Patrick mornings, Adam Gold Middays, Patrick Johnson on the way home. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. All right, let's go. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the EZU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Woo-hoo! More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. All right, welcome back in here to the Patrick Johnson Show. It's a special edition where myself and the great Philip Hilkinson are hosting today. We've got a very special guest here now. We've got Brett Friedlander. Brett, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's uh, we're starting to head into the home stretch of the basketball season, and all of the uh, the state schools are doing extremely well in the ACC. So it's a good time. It is. It is. So speaking of those uh, state schools, big rivalry game this weekend or this past weekend. Uh, you know, big bounce back game for Duke after losing Coach K's final game in Cameron last year, the Tar Heels, and then losing that Final Four game. How big do you think that was for the Duke brand to get that win back in Cameron this year? 
Well, it was huge because of the reasons that you said, but also because this is uh, a game that really kind of, I think, firmly established John Shire uh, in that position as Coach K's uh, successor. Uh, you know, he's had not a rough time of it, but he's had some growing pains so far this season. I mean, he's learning on the job. Uh, but to go in there and, and beat UNC in his first opportunity to do it at Cameron, I think just was huge for him and the program. It's just a shame that the ACC scheduled them to have to, to bounce back immediately two days later uh, on a Monday night in Miami against uh, a really good team because there was very little left in the tank for the Blue Devils last night. And I, I wouldn't judge a lot on their performance yesterday because I, I, I think that we saw the real Duke on Saturday in Cameron against the well, Tar I know Phillip's glad to hear you say that because Phillip's actually a huge Duke fan. Am I right, Phillip? Yeah, I am, and I, that's kind of what I was going to ask you next, and I guess you already kind of hit on it, but it's it's one of those things is like it was such an emotional win for Duke Saturday. I kind of had a feeling they might come out and lay an egg, but I don't want to take any credit away from Miami because I thought the Hurricanes played really well last night. Yeah, Miami's a really good team. I mean, they're 10-4 and four in the ACC, 19-5 and five overall. Isaiah Wong is uh, a, a very strong candidate for ACC Player of the Year, and they've got really nice pieces around him. Uh, and Larinaga was just uh, nominated as a finalist for the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a really the perfect storm because not only was it an emotional game, but you've got to recover physically, and then you've got to get on a plane and fly down to South Florida and play a road game against a team that good. Uh, I, I just thought that it was, it was really uh, stacked against uh, uh, Duke yesterday. But we'll see. I, I think, you know, they, I think they play Virginia on Saturday. Yeah, at 4 um, o'clock, that's correct. It, so that, I think, will be a bigger tell, uh, how they do against the Cavaliers, because that's another really good team, but this time they'll have some time to recover from it, and maybe Dariq Whitehead will be ready to go. But uh, uh, I, I think Duke is, is one of the top teams in the ACC. I don't think it's the top team. Um, I don't know that they're in the top three, but uh, it's a team that continues to get better because of the youth of both their players and their coaching staff. And, and I think their ceiling is still far away. I, I, I think they're going to continue to get better. And by the beginning of March, um, that's a team you probably aren't going to want to play in, um, in, in the ACC tournament or the tournament after that. Okay, so you said that they're uh, not your number one spot in the ACC. Who do you personally think is in that top spot right now? Or could you even give us a top three if you can? You know, I, it's tough because you can just kind of throw a hat over them. But right now, if I had to, I would I would probably go with Virginia, Miami, and Pittsburgh in that order, with NC State a close fourth. Um, I think even though Clemson is still atop the league, 18-6, um, 10-3 overall, they got a half-game lead on Virginia and Pitt, and they play Louisville tonight, so they should win. Uh, you can kind of see some chinks in the armor. You can kind of see them kind of coming back to the norm a little bit. Um, I think they're really good. But I, I just think that Virginia, with its experience, Tony Bennett uh, and, and the defense that they play is still the best team in the league. Um, I, I really love the way Pittsburgh is playing, and we just already talked about Miami. Um, I, you know, you look at UNC's roster, and you see the talent that they have, the fact that they played on the, on the first Monday in March last year, and you wonder if when they're – they're going to turn the, the light switch on and start playing like that. But they're running out of time. 
they're, yeah. they're running out of time, but you got to figure that they, they might have a run in them too. So what do you think, uh, talking about UNC, what do you think is kind of going on with them right now? Because they're obviously having some problems. They just lost to Duke. They also lost to Pitt recently. You, you mentioned they need to turn things around. They don't have a lot of time. What's, real, what's going on with them? Why are they starting to be on the downward trend here as of late? Well, if you would have asked me about a week ago, I would have said that it's, it's a team – that has set a goal to win the national championship and anything else is a failure and they just can't wait for the, uh, the postseason to get here and they're just kind of going through the motions of the regular season. But they played Pitt at home and Duke in a rivalry game last week and if there was ever a time when they were going to start to make that turn to start really getting into that postseason box and making that push, this was going to be the week it happened. And they, they didn't play well in either game, and, and they lost both. Um, I think there are some overlying problems. They're not a great perimeter shooting team, and they fall in love with the three-point shot too much. And they shot 27 of them against Duke. And considering that or, you know, uh, Armando Baycott had two points in the second half, uh, that's just unacceptable. Basically, you got to go to your strength, and they were playing away from their strength. And the other thing is, I don't think they're necessarily a tough team. They got pushed around physically by um, Pitt, and then they got dominated on the offensive glass by Duke. And those are two really bad signs. And I don't know if you can turn toughness on. And they don't have that, that driving force that they did last year in Brady Manick. You know, the guy that they could look to when they really needed a basket and the guy that when they needed a kick in the pants was there to give it to them. Um, and so those things are, are, are hard to overcome, and I don't know they're going to be able to do it. And like I said, they're running out of time. If, if they're going to get their act together, it's going to have to be here in the next couple of weeks. We're here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We have Brett Friedlander joining us right now, talking a lot of ACC hoops. And speaking of those North Carolina Tar Heels, do you think with everything you just brought up that it is a must-win tonight in Winston-Salem against the Demon Deacons? I don't know that it's a must-win because I think that their resume is better now than it was last year at this time because they've got some good quad one wins still. They beat Ohio State, and you know they've got a couple of others. Uh, the win against NC State is actually a quad one win, I believe, at this point. But um, listen, I, they they really do need it. I, I don't know that it's a must-win, but I think it's a really important win. And yes. Um, for Wake Forest, I think it is a must-win because their resume is, 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 is lacking. They need a couple more signature wins. Uh, but uh, I, I think for, for Carolina, it, it's not desperation time, but it's kick-in-the-pants time. And, and uh, a win on the road at Wake Forest would be a really good way to get that process started. All right, talking about the ACC as a whole, how many teams in the ACC this year do you see making it into the tournament, and why do you think those teams are making it in? Well, I am an optimist when it comes to that, as opposed to some of the national media who are, again, spinning tales of doom and gloom because the brand names aren't at the top of the list. Right, And right. there's no elite team in the ACC, but really, take out bottom three. Take out Notre Dame, Louisville, and Georgia Tech, and – Everybody has got a good win, and, and I mean even Virginia Tech at four and eight in the league. Uh, I think that they, I think they've got the fourth highest net ranking in, or maybe the fifth highest behind NC State um, net ranking in in the conference, and way ahead of Clemson, who's ahead of the league right now. Um, so I, I think they'll get eight. I, I, I would say 
Uh, Clemson, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Miami, NC State, Duke, UNC, I think are pretty close to being locked. And then I think either one of Wake Forest or, or, or Virginia Tech still has a shot at getting in. So uh, we, we shall see. Um, uh, we still have a month to go, and they're going to be playing each other. And that's a good thing because they're going to be quad one and two wins to be had. But it's a bad thing because they're going to be cannibalizing each other. Right. Okay. I got you. Okay, Brett, last question for you. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Totally unrelated. Okay. You ready? Super Bowl, Super Bowl coming up. I want to hear your pick. Well, it's really, really hard to, to bet against Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey, uh, Andy Reid and that whole crew. And I used to work in Fayetteville and they've got a player from Fayetteville state. So it's hard. It's hard to pick against Kansas city. Boy, oh boy. But it sounds like the you're about Eagles to do that, though. Just, yeah, I am. I, there's something about the Eagles and the way they've played and just the way they've looked in the postseason. And I don't know if it's because the teams they've played have not been up to their standard or they've just had it. But they seem to be a team that really is on the rise right now and is trending in the right direction at the right time. And gut feeling, I, I, I think the Eagles are going to fly here on Sunday. We'll see. I'm personally going with the Chiefs. I'm with you. I cannot bet against that roster, the Mahomes and the Kelsey. I think even without Tyreek Hill, they got one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. But I definitely see what you're there. saying. What were you and, saying? And Sorry, they've got experience there, and they're not going to be like they're not, they're not going to get blinded by the lights, you know. And they're going to. But I there's just something about the Eagles right now that just kind of says mm, they they look like they've got it. Yeah, I totally see what you mean. All right, well, Brett, thank you so much for coming on. You don't know how much it means to us, especially with Patrick being out. It means a lot to us. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Anytime. For Patrick, I'm always available. Sounds good. All right, and we will be right back after this quick timeout on the Patrick Johnson Show. Greenville's number one sports show is back. Understand? Yeah, I understand. No, lady. I'm ready. It's the Patrick Johnson Show on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. Do you have something you need to get off your chest? Get off your chest. I am not here for rage. I'm here for revenge. Did your favorite team blow another game? They are who we thought they were. And we let him off the hook. Or is there just something that's driving you crazy? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to let it all out. You have made me very angry. Very angry indeed. With another edition of Hold My Beer. Hold my beer. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Very special edition here today on Taco Tuesday. Am Taco I right? Tuesday! Ay, 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 ay! Right? <laughs> I, I see I'm down with some Taco Tuesday. I'm ready. Always. It's been fun, guys. It's been really fun. So you know we had to end it with a fun segment. What better segment to end it with for a fun Taco Tuesday? <laughs> ay, 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 ay! Then hold, <laughs> then, uh, hold my beer. I'm, I'm going to start it off, all right? Because I got something that's been really grinding my gears, okay? I, I bought a bunch of new clothes. Uh, you know, I got the drip going on, got the ice... All the time, right? All the time. All the time. Dripped out. And it has been, and m- most of these shirts and stuff that I've been getting have been like short sleeve, you know. And, and I'll admit it, it's it's more summer like clothing, and that's on me for buying like summer clothes in the winter. Yeah, but it February. has been so freaking cold lately that I haven't been able to wear any of these clothes. And so I went out the other night, and I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna let the cold like I'm not I'm not gonna let it stop me. 
I wore one of my new shirts freezing the whole time. <laughs> Absolutely freezing. It was 24 degrees. Barely even enjoyed it. I, I wish it would stop being so cold. That, that's you, my. You're a moron. It's honestly been a mild winter. You bought yeah. summer clothes in the winter. You're mad that it's cold, and it's really been a mild winter. Have, it's been 65 and raining half the time. I'd be more mad that it's been raining. It hadn't even been that cold. No, but North, you're crazy. Car- North Carolina's got a reputation of having bipolar weather. You can get frostbite, uh, excuse me, frostbite and, and sunburn, sunburn in the same, same week, day. or hey, even the same day. You can do that skiing in Colorado. What? Whatever, man. That, <laughs> you don't different. put sunscreen on your face. It burns, and then it. <laughs> Bite your fingers. Come on. But so I was expecting that. I was like, we're gonna have one day here that's like probably seventy five, maybe a little lower. Not a single day has it been. I, I, I'm gonna stop before I go on a long rant. Yeah, we <laughs> gotta get everybody else's hold my beer. So because I didn't really think of one, so I'm just gonna improv here. Okay, here you go. Why does the darn State of the Union start at nine o'clock? It's already too late. That guy's already too boring to yeah, listen to talk to. And I got to listen to Joe Biden bedtime. talk to. I know. Yeah. I mean, he might fall asleep. I, I'm going to fall asleep. He already puts people to sleep. Even hey, people if, who like him. He's a boring guy that like, <laughs> like or love Trump, like or love Obama. They were at least entertaining to hear talk. Yeah. J- Biden is horrible to hear talk. This thing starts at nine o'clock. Anyways, yeah. Joe's got a rant. We've only got two and a half minutes left. So Joe, take uh, it away. Let it all hang out right Hold here. my beer. NASCAR is getting too cute. I, I got to be honest here. Phil told me before we got onto this, there are four religions in the South. Baptist, Methodist, college football, and NASCAR. Well, guess what? They took two of them and tried to tamper it. The clash of the Coliseum was this weekend. And let me tell you, for an event that was supposed to be the event for the weekend, it did not even come close to the NHL All-Star Game or any of its kind of reruns, if you would, or their competitions or whatever you want to call it. You have Caleb Williams out there as the honorary starter. So there you go. You messed with college football. Don't let your idols become your rivals. Second, you have it in the Coliseum where USC plays. So now you're, you're eating where you weren't supposed to as far as that goes. And then you have 17 caution laps happen in the race and you're not going to count them towards the total count. They ran 167 laps total with 17 cautions. I don't know if Martin Truex can go into the pit to get new tires. Bubba Wallace is in the front, and then all of a sudden he's in the back because of how the restart works. I, I couldn't I couldn't keep up. I'm lost. you got Jimmy Johnson running in a car that he's paying for, but only in two or three races now. They're racing in Chicago. I, I can't go whether, you know what? I can't tell if they're coming or going at this point. NASCAR got too cute. NASCAR gave up. Bring me back to the true stock car days with the Camrys, the Mustangs, and all of the Camaros. I mean, all of a sudden, the SS is now with the new supersets, but they're not the cars they used to be with the new specs. I couldn't tell you where I'm going. I, I mean, I've got a minute here to wrap up my thoughts on what has been 365 days of anger when it comes to racing. I'm a racing man through and through, and NASCAR has let me down once again. I, I'm gonna, wow. yeah. I mean, the, the fact they had 17 <laughs> cautions that totaled probably like 100 caution laps was, yeah. And they didn't count. It was bad. See, I'm not. That. Y'all are speaking like a foreign language to me. Yeah, right it now. was. I don't room, know. I mean, room. it was. Don't Overall, it was, it was decently entertaining. But bring the yeah. clash back to the East Coast. They're spending all this money to pave over a football field. Nobody gives a crap about NASCAR and it's not in L.A. Slanted. And and yeah, yeah. There's no banking, and people in NASCAR don't care about the people in L.A. Let's be honest. We don't care about those bozos in California, anyways. Yeah. I, again, y'all are speaking of part like I don't watch a whole lot of NASCAR, admittedly. You know, oh, 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 here we I go. needed that, so I appreciate that. All right. All right, we're going to head out. It's been real. It's been fun. Shout out to Joe and Philip, and hope Patrick and Ben get well soon. It's been real, everybody. We'll do it again tomorrow. Let's do it again tomorrow, shall we? Have a good one.